You're listening to the Red Bicycle Media Spokes Podcast, a show about the experiences of a film production house and the people they work with in the film industry, with your host, James Pizarro. Hey guys, welcome back to the Spokes Podcast. We are glad you guys are able to make it today. Uh, This is Christian again, filling in for James, and I hope everyone's been safe so far. I know things are starting to open back up here in Ohio. Um, It seems more normal than uh, usual, just because there's more cars out, more people shopping, retail's open, they're opening, I believe, gyms and salons soon. Uh, Production will hopefully be going on. I know we discussed um, that production has been going on just behind the scenes, and you'll find out a little bit more about that today. in the second part of our uh, film crew roundtable podcast. So last time we talked about uh, everyone's jobs on set, uh, what they entail, and how they connect with everyone else working on that project. And just to remind you, our panel includes, and they're all um, local 600, they're all from Cleveland, born and raised, and have some type of experience. They've worked with us as well. Um, so we, that's why we have them on. We trust them, and they're good people too. So that's what we like to uh, hear and uh, hear from. Uh, so the panel includes uh, Ryan Forte, who's a local 600, of course. Loader on Cherry uh, has worked on other projects as well. Uh, Eric Martin, who's a gaffer, he's an electrician on Cherry. Uh, Thomas Mathias, he's part of the camera department. Uh, local 600 as well. Video assist for Native Son, and I think he worked on Cherry as well. Uh, Evan Prunty, who's one half of the uh, Black Valve uh, ownership. He did video assist on Cherry and uh, his cousin Hunter Prunty, who did utility sound um, on The Marksman, which was called The Minuteman when it was uh, filmed here, but I think they changed it to The Marksman. And he also worked on the Untitled Fred Hampton project, which was uh, filmed immediately after The Marksman. So we talk about uh, the future of future films here in Cleveland, what's going to happen after the crisis is over, what's everyone been up to since the crisis has started, uh, why we should concern, not we, why we are um, kind of promoting why Cleveland is a really cool spot to uh, film, and uh, why big production should be hiring local, uh, expectations on set, learning on location, networking on set, all this stuff. So if you're, again, if you're interested in getting into this field, um, there's a lot to learn here. Check out our other episode, episode 14, the first half of this uh, roundtable. And we also kind of going into um, if film school is the right decision. And um, the answer is, it, it, you've probably heard that it can vary a lot. Um, but um, to hear from these guys, hear their take, because they've been through it before, um, I think they'll have a better idea of uh, if you should go into film school or not. So without further ado, uh, let's continue on with our conversation. Uh, you know, I want to ask all of you this: what What do you think the um, uh, the Ohio or even Cleveland scene is for future filmmaking? I did get a, ch- a chance this week to check out a lot of the films. Um, I I saw um, I See You, and I also saw the uh, uh, Sylvester Stallone movie, and I think there was one more that was uh, filmed here. But uh, you know, first of all, uh, speaking to that, how, how do you think it's looking uh, from what you've heard on on set? If uh, they like making movies here, and what should change? Well, who knows now? Yeah. <laughs> well, well, up until probably Christmas time, it was great. It was looking like I mean, twenty twenty, we were already set like the whole year. It was sounding like, but I think once this all goes blows over and we we finally figure out where we're at we're uh 
it, it's going to shine. There were already two or three movies set to shoot already, and then they got scrapped. So, yeah, we Hunter and I were actually on a movie um, that just like we got production was canceled. Like that we, we had two days or something. It was our second day. We got we found out. I think. Yeah. So I worked on day zero. <laughs> But no, I think uh, I think from what I've heard, just of like, because I get to interact with a lot of producers, um, just when I'm handing out IFBs and stuff, and I think hearing their opinion and like the directors and stuff is important because, like, ultimately those are the people I think who have more like decision making factors in that, and um, they definitely have seemed to always like Cleveland, and it's good that I think our core teams are capable and, and knowledgeable. And I don't feel like they come here and think that we're all a bunch of hillbillies who don't know how to make movies. So, cause I think that's like a, you know, a, a concern I'm sure for a lot of um, people who are going to crew locally. And I know it gets tough when there's like two movies at the same time, because I don't think that we're that deep as a workforce. And, you know, if there was a third one going, I, I don't know that, they could they probably would be very hire. happy. Well, they probably just couldn't hire locally. Right. Well, the big thing I think for them is just that the it's just functionally cheaper to hire people here. It's they're not paying for a hotel, they're not paying for the rental car. You know, there's a million things they have to pay for for two months. And if it's just paying someone locally, like the rate is probably lower than it would be. And it's also um, you're not paying for all those other things. So for them, it's just a huge cost saver, like regardless. So, and the, plus the incentive. The incentive yeah. So for them, it, it just makes sense to hire people um, as long as they can do the job. I also think you'll see a big difference too uh, between like the full scale stuff and the tiered productions because like the tiered production or <clears throat> the full scale productions had no problem flying in everyone they wanted to and more. And then they would like basically hire out the very small positions on it. Whereas a tiered production it yet, like you're saying, it matters a whole lot, you know, who they decide to hire locally and who they decide to bring in, you know, as who they decide to bring in, you know, LA and now Atlanta kind of being somewhat, somewhat of an epicenter or hub. When do you, do you think Cleveland will ever become a place where that you can hire a local, uh, a local gaffer or a local, uh, um, DP or, or, you know, obviously uh, the Russo brothers are from here, but when do you think that, I mean, you guys are the, that next wave that hopefully they know in this area, they don't have to, you know, bring in these people and uh, trust the people that are here. Um, hopefully that'll come up uh, in the next future. On, Thomas, you worked on Native Sun, right? Yeah. I think that's a pretty big, you know, uh, example of that. This is true. Yeah. John Turk, Gaffer, uh, Matthew Libertake. And I mean, I mean, that was a wonderful experience for him. Yeah. You know, it really doesn't get any better than that. Um, yeah, that's a good question. I don't know. That's kind of the A24 model, right? Uh, is, is not necessarily high budget, but they, they really have high value people on there. Like Matthew Libertique is, is one of the best DPs in the world. And, and they managed to get good talent or up and coming talent. And you know what? They make Academy Award winning films. So I don't see anything wrong with that at all. That seems like a, that would be a place where, I think, you know, people can make a mark. Go ahead. Or I would say, I think probably Ryan would agree from, from his experience too, that I think we saw that happen on Cherry where it's, you know, these 
these people who are super talented, like it's the directors of the Avengers, it's the DP of X-Men, like the, of Bohemian Rhapsody, of Drive, like of all these crazy, like household names, famous projects. And it's just this lower budget, like film in Cleveland, like, and they, they kind of like that too. Like they, it's, you know, it's a, it's a change of pace. It's something different. Um, It's not always easy, but it's, I think it's worthwhile. And and we obviously get a lot out of it because we're like, you know, in the midst of all that. I think that Cleveland, uh, well, go go ahead, Ryan. No, 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 Eric, you've not talked so good. (laughs) I think that Cleveland, I mean, is super location rich too. I mean, you, you have so like such a wide scope of, I mean, we have, we have a lot of old, beautiful architecture buildings. We have a lot of modern, we have some beautiful beaches. We have, you know, pretty good weather in the summer and like a, a, a real winter, if that's what they're looking for in the winter time. And, and everything in between, like beautiful fall, uh, and just tons of abandoned buildings. It's it's easier to close streets down in Cleveland, you know, obviously than it is in L.A. or New York or, or other big film states. So uh, and cheaper, tons of money. Yeah, cheaper. They're saving tons of money there. It's like you need what one cop on one end and one cop at the other end, and that's that's all they need for security detail. <laughs> We were the last film that was just here. We were on a street in East Cleveland that it looked like a bomb went off. Like it looked like, <laughs> like Fallout Four. Like legit. Oh my and but they don't have to do anything. They, it was just like that. We so were making, so I was making jokes with the designer. I was like, "You did a really nice, a nice job here." And he's like, "Everyone's in a hotel. Everyone's really happy. You know, we have a week to put it back together." It was so funny. <laughs> All they all they had to do is just bring a water truck for some of the streets and just water it down, and it was like, fuck! They they like the the production designer is getting like more credit than than he needs for some of the some of these shots because exactly what you said is like so true. I I have to say I was really upset the uh, on that film you guys are talking about. Nobody gets out alive. Uh, the director and the DP, their names escaping me right now. They on on the we were doing. Uh, basically pickup shots or plates and different visual effects stuff that they were going to use. And uh, the guy pulls me aside and he's like, I, I really have to ask you like who this guy is. We've seen these billboards everywhere. And this, this Misney guy, like, who, <laughs> <laughs> like these, these people show up from England, these like accomplished filmmakers. And they think that this guy, Tim Misney is like the, the King or like the he Pope of Cleveland. Pay. <laughs> because his face is everywhere pointing and angrily like yelling at everybody with his eyes it's horrifying and i, I was i felt ashamed that that's what was representing cleveland for that week. it's embarrassing <laughs> for those of you not from cleveland who are listening to this look up tim misney on youtube and you'll understand what we're talking about here so <laughs> you'll, be, you'll be pretty amazed yeah exactly you'll be pretty amazed <laughs> although he's been pretty soft during this quarantine it's like you know if, i'll be there for you he, he won't say the other line. It's still the saying. same picture, though. <laughs> it is. <laughs> I, I believe he calls his house New Zealand. <laughs> his um, merch, his, he's got really good merch, too. Uh, he, what? Uh, M- McKenna at Stephen Cameron <laughs> has a clock in her office. No um, kidding. Are you uh, it, it says it's time to make them pay. <laughs> <laughs> yes. 
I'm pissed. We gotta get one of those. He, he, he calls this house Misneyland. I don't know if you've yeah, you ever passed by this house. There's a big <laughs> arch in Misneyland right in the front. We're in the we're in the wrong business. <laughs> I'm, I'm uh, Tim, if you're listening, hi Tim. If you're listening, um, right. <laughs> we'll make sure to yeah, hire yeah, you. Put in, we'll, we'll put an ad right. in the next podcast for you. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. are, Please sponsor us. Sure. Oh, that's true. This this show is sponsored by Tim. Is Right. <laughs> I'm really uh, not surprised that Eric comments on all the free stuff that this guy has. <laughs> Knowing Eric, he's clearing me out of things I'm giving away every time he's around. <laughs> Did you guys feel you learned exponentially on the job that, you know, you th- people think they know stuff, but when you see the way it's really done or how they do things, and um, I think it's a tribute to all your personalities to, uh, to, to adapt to those situations because I, I know that you have to be industrious and you have to be... Uh, good at uh, improvising because filmmaking is just a bunch of problem solving one one thing after the other. So, uh, I, I, I'm, how do you feel that served you in in kind of like figuring these problems out and and trying to stay in front of everything? There's there's just like a million ways to do like to solve a problem. So it's all about prioritizing what makes sense in the situation. So like at first I had a lot of my gear and I was like, I need to get all this out. You know what I mean? Like I need to have everything out and everything working at all times. And that just wasn't efficient for the style of what we were doing and like the, the pace at which we were moving. So I slowly for this show figured out what made the most sense to have and what was the most important and what things were absolutely necessary and what things I was just kind of wasting my time with. And, you know, I can be making sure other things are working better so it was all about just finding a workflow and like situate and it's really about talking like the day before like to the first ad or whoever you can get a hold of and just say hey you know what's going on tomorrow what can we be prepared for and they'll have some of that like on the call sheet but a lot of times like for me it's just me so like they're not marking things up on the call sheet like just for videos like like sometimes they will but a lot of times it's just having a conversation like hey what do i need to be ready for tomorrow and sometimes you just show up and they're like hey we're going to be in a car and this is like there's going to be it's going to be 360 and there's going to be no way nowhere for you to hide nowhere for you to go we're just gonna have to figure something out and so i'll get with jason and you know we'll figure out what wirelessly will work or what won't and there's just a lot of those types of situations where you're you know you show up and you're just like, okay, I got to fi- figure out what's going to work. And it's just about communication and say, hey, this is what I am capable of and this is what I can do in this situation. So, yeah. I, f- I feel like uh, a lot of the job uh, as a sound utility too is like uh, picking picking the, the, the better of the two worst situations, like the two bad situations. Like there's just certain times like, okay, I think it's more important that this person gets mic'd than this producer gets a IFB, but you can like burn yourself really bad when someone is really angry that they didn't get this or that by this certain time. So like you, but you have to like, remember like, well, if I don't mic this person, we're going to be in bigger trouble. So, you know, and, and just like trying to hide the fact that you are scrambling in some of those situations. And like, you have to be patient with people who like, um, maybe have an ego or are definitely just more focused on something else to where they're not thinking about how, you know, that you may have 10 other things to do in the next 10 minutes, but you have to just remain calm and like just get that done and get to the next task as soon as possible and just be efficient. And I think the most learning I did like early on was how to be efficient about each step. Like 
you know, Thomas walks over to me every five minutes. Hey man, I need your slate and time code boxes. I'm like, I will get them to you and they're on my list and I'll get them to you before we roll. But there's probably, there's like this, this, and this I want to do before then. And it, it, we make it happen. So that's, I'll pass to someone else. And the problem with the slates is I have somebody breathing down my neck. Where's uh-huh. the slates? And now I'm like, Hunter, you're making me look bad here. <laughs> but, but like in the camera department, we got to be like two steps ahead of our boss for anything. Cause anything can come up and there's like a trillion pieces of equipment that can be asked at any second. And knowing all the names for every little piece is mind boggling. Cause it changes every show. And I, sometimes I'm going to make the prep. So while they're going through all the stuff, I show up on set and they're like, grab me this. And I'm like, that, where and what is this? And at that point it's too late. So just learn how to, how to go with the flow, take the, take the hits and just keep a level head. Because if you start losing it, it's just going to go down the chain. Well, there's two parts of, uh, I would, I think in getting ready, there's getting show ready because the first day always is a, is a, you know, dumpster fire. And, and then there's getting ready with your experience. If you've been on your fourth or fifth movie, um, you pretty much know like what, what some of the expectations are, but each movie has to be unique and the personalities and everything changes. And even when you do a company move, all that changes. So um, you had to know your gear one and you had to know your roles and, and uh, you know, if that, if either of those fail, it, it just makes it tough. I'd imagine. Yeah, absolutely. Expect like even the roles change from movie to movie depending on the needs and of your boss and whatnot. You know, and ca- again, going to camera, I I work for like four people, sometimes four or five, six people, and they all have their own specific needs. And even though I may be a utility or whatever, the the responsibilities and requirements change show to show. So just learning what everyone needs really, really quick, and just to make them happy. I, I, uh, back to yeah, what Hunter said about efficiency, um, that was like the name of of the game. That was like the main thing that that our gaffer <clears throat> beat into our head. Um, just how to be efficient. His his motto was you got to be fast, and uh, no matter like what you were were doing, you just he, he taught us ways to to do things quicker, to to take shortcuts that uh, I didn't even know existed before uh in in everything we did it was just like how quick can you do it but still like do it accurately and that that was the one thing that that was probably the most important to us i mean even if we had you know time it, say if company wasn't showing up for four hours and we had to lay you know like a few hundred feet of four odd and then you know lay a bunch of distro boxes around a, a building or something even if we had four hours to do it you know, and it was only going to take like two, if we could make that take like an hour or an hour and a half, that was always better than, than taking our time. And uh, even, even when we're wrapping, you know, and it's like, okay, we, we've got time. We are all, all our other rigs are already like pre-set up and we just have to wrap a couple things today. The, the quicker we could do it was, was always, always better because we had to stay sharp so that when we did need to go fast, it was just our regular work pace. You know, it was just our regular flow. So, and, and he knew that, you know, we didn't, we just were like, why, why is this dude riding us so hard? Why are we, you know, getting treated like this? Which 
you know, shortly in, we, we like realized real quick exactly why everything we did had a reason. And uh, that it really helped having such a good leader to, to like get our asses moving. Even if it means going up uh, three, two or three stories because the elevator wasn't working, uh, yeah, bringing industrial fun. boxes up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> My gosh, longest day of our lives, I can say Dude, that. Yeah. <laughs> our legs were like noodles afterwards. <laughs> oh my gosh, it, it was bad. It was pretty bad. But, you know, it, it was fun too. I mean, I'm not union myself, but, you know, just seeing you guys like, you know, work hard and connecting and just like with all that stuff. I see there's uh, so many inner workings compared to being in a smaller set, like like the session or death metal or something like that. So, uh, yeah. Have uh, you guys? Um, let, let's switch gears real quick. Uh, and and did you did you make it a point at lunch to meet different people and eat with different people so that you can, you know, let's face it, this is a, a huge networking opportunity and you better take advantage of it. Uh, did you try to do that instead of, you know, go out in your car and eat by yourself? I mean, uh, did, tell me how that worked. Never. I don't know. I speak, I, I don't know who I speak for, but I'm mostly just stuck with either my department or Hunter. That's about it. Honestly, yeah. that's the same for us too. Like it, it our, our gaffer and our best boys, like, what the, what the hell are you talking to those people for? What are you doing over there? You, you stick to stop talking to Evan, right? Stop talking to Evan. Get the hell over here. <laughs> I love that. So well, they, they got we, territorial we with lunch, you, huh? On chair. Yeah. We didn't have lunch. So there was no lunch to go sit and, and talk. So it's called French hours. And basically you just get, lunch like on the go like they just bring you a box for lunch and then you just eat while you're working you find time uh i probably didn't eat for the first two weeks <laughs> I'm just, i don't know not really i ate but it was like ner i was nervous so it was hard to eat anyways but yeah yeah uh, with, with rigging it, uh we like just had to go eat on our, our own like go to like local restaurants or bars or whatever so it's like we didn't have the opportunity either uh just like you to, to not like really socialize but I will say the one day we, there was like a few days where like the schedule worked out where they found time for lunch. But, uh, it was really funny. Cause like the most dramatic thing happened or like one of the most dramatic things happened like on the day that we had lunch. So I was going around to like every person I know, like gossiping about this <laughs> thing that happened. So it was just like the perfect lunch day. So I still didn't really sit down to eat lunch. Cause I was going around like gossiping basically like, so, like someone who got was not supposed to be on set got on set so like everyone i heard i went to go like talk to everyone about their different like perspectives of the story so it was just like that was like the one day we had lunch that day i remember but like i was i went around to talk to everybody but we were so far into the show that i had like talked to everybody and made friends with everybody by then so yeah i would say uh on some shows i've been on i definitely uh, as a sound person, I don't get to talk to a lot of the camera people like on set. So I'll generally try to like just sneak over with Thomas and just have a seat next to everyone and try to pick their brain about stuff just because I am like camera savvy in, in some ways and I'm interested in that stuff, but I don't necessarily get to talk about it with everyone every day. So I always try to, if I can, it, it depends on the, you know, who the people are. Sometimes people want to they're happy to chat and like teach you things and uh, field questions, but others are 
you know, they, their vibe is, please don't talk to me. I'm just want to be left alone. So it just depends. Eric, did you get your sweatshirt? I did. Do we had to, um, we went to the, the production office afterward, me, uh, Taylor and I, whoever else was like on our rigging team at that time. Cause it, it changed so much. Right. Um, uh, but they like put it, they gave us a hard time. Like I was like, yeah, uh, Harry sent us here to get, get some hoodies cause he ran out <laughs> and they're like, well, that doesn't sound right. Like, uh, they like kind of knew, but then like someone came from around, some woman came from around the corner and she's like, Oh, there's like extra boxes of them in the closet. Just ask what size they are. Like, right. but the first dude we talked to like did not want to <laughs> hand them out. So, but yeah, I, I, I did. And then um, God. we wore them the next day and, and our gaffer was, was like pissed at us cause he was jealous. He didn't get one. Uh, <laughs> oh, you always got to get one for the boss. Dude. I know we couldn't even barely get any for us, but yeah, he, <laughs> That's funny. So, so uh, moving forward with uh, what you've taken back to your own, uh, uh, you know, lives. Uh, uh, both, uh, all of you have are kind of uh, do independent work, and um, uh, Evan and Hunter run Black Valve uh, Studio. Thomas is uh, a steady cam operator and works with the church. And Eric, I don't know what the heck you do sometimes, but I know you do a lot of freelance and, and um, the most industrious person I know as well. All you guys are industrious. You could, you know, you're the guys I call when I need to get something fixed or something because you could always figure that out. I, I guess we'll break it down to what is one of the more valuable things you learned and you try to adapt every day or you, um, uh, you know, inherited and brought into your own respective uh, lives. It could be simple or it could be technical. Um, I'll, I'll start. Um, I would say as, as a utility, um, kind of once the camera rolls, I'm not really doing anything unless I'm double booming in a situation. So, um, it's really, it's nice to like sit back and just look at the image and see what they're doing as far as camera movement and analyze that and the lighting and what they did to overcome a lot of challenges and kind of say, Oh, that's interesting. I would have never, thought to do that and then you kind of put that in your back pocket and it's like now you have another trick you would have never kind of heard of before just in you know by being there so i can go next uh i was lucky too because i was in my job i'm watching as things happen like like watching the movie get made so i i get my eyes on the screen the whole time which is like invaluable uh but like just some interesting things like uh watching Jason and working with Jason, like getting rid of flicker, like picking up on flicker in the background of images and just changing our uh, shutter angle to like get rid of that. Um, just seeing what works and what doesn't and like the process of that. Um, and just having a keen eye for because I would just point it out too if I ended up, like saw something uh, that was, that was always interesting. And then the way they uh, like worked with white balance, it was, it was more just like, set it on like 32 45 or 56 like based on the lighting situation and i just thought that was interesting it wasn't like and maybe ryan knows that i'm wrong but the from what i saw it was more like just set it at one of those like pillars based on you know if it's outside it's obviously 56 if it's mixed light it's 45 and if it's tungsten it's 32 but it, that was just kind of an interest but I know like with the, the higher end cameras, you can get away with that um, a lot, like 
less specific. So uh, it was just some, like there's a lot of just little tidbits like that where it's like, oh, they're doing something like this specific way. Why is that? And like, what are the advantages of that? And a lot of it's like framing and blocking and just seeing like the best steady cam operator in the world work every day is pretty amazing. So I don't know. It just makes you like, wow, this is insane. I think Evan, it, it you also have, helps to have a giant grip and electric team, like a really skilled gaffer, a lighting board operator, and like, you know, millions of dollars worth of equipment. That'll definitely yeah. help too. Yeah. Evan, I think uh, you have to speak to the fact that the directors are in your ears literally the entire day. Yeah. So I'm listening to like the directors the whole time. So I, I just get a lot of insight like from that too. Um, and that's like invaluable information and just seeing like what they're looking for and what they're not looking for and what works and what doesn't and just seeing it all come together and see what their job really is. You know, it's not, they, they can't worry about like the, the minuscule things that are going on. They have to worry about the big picture, obviously. So uh, that was super interesting too. All of you have had uh, film school backgrounds, right? And uh, would you say that being on set uh, probably trumps a lot of what you learned in, in those years? I mean, it, at least it enhances it, correct? Yeah. It's, yeah, it's not even close. Yeah, yeah not, mean, not even remotely close. I, they, they make fun of you if they, if, like, you don't ever tell anyone you went to film school when you're on a film set because you'll get made fun of pretty bad. <laughs> Yeah, I have $50,000 in student debt. I don't recommend going to film school if you want to do film production for a living. But that being said, for some people, it is an avenue. And if you do choose to go, highly recommend you go in an area that there is lots of film production because it's more of an opportunity to place yourself in an area that is useful for you as a filmmaker more than it is to get in school somewhere and get use out of that. Yeah, I think it just comes down to your drive as a like I no matter where you go, it's just what information you're willing to seek out and find. It's ne it's never just going to all be handed to you on a silver platter. Like even on set, you could just like you could there's a lot going on, but you could learn nothing if you're not paying attention or like willing to like take a second to like really think about what's going on. And there is a lot going on, so it's hard sometimes to take that second, but you know, it's definitely worth it because there's more you can learn than anywhere else. I mean, where else are you going to learn? <laughs> it's, yeah. I feel like this you, is like the behind the scenes commentary for Black Valve right now. You guys got like the hats and the, and the <laughs> microphones. <laughs> and like, it looks way more professional than a Zoom meeting right now. Right. <laughs> yeah. We have a 60 D. I've been working on, I've been, I've been working on this the whole quarantine, so it better look good. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, you just it, put a couple of videos good. out the past couple of days too. Yeah, it looks well. It looks really well produced. Hey, so um, during this during this time in crisis, um, we've all had to make uh, changes and uh, uh, compromises. How have you guys? What have you done in 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 these days to improve yourselves? And and you know, there's the typical thing: laying around and eating and doing nothing. What have you guys done to to make yourselves better? We like Fortnite. We like Fortnite. We like Fortnite. <laughs> I've, I've actually been doing nothing and eating, not eating and doing nothing. So. All right. Good. good. It's been a combination. Anybody else? Who wants to go? I, I have a real answer, but. <laughs> Are oh, you no, please go. <laughs> well, I've just been looking like for this kind of stuff. I've just been like diving into like more streaming, like gaming and this kind of web, like webcam and seeing what all that technology is at and like what, but it's all kind of sold out. So I had to like come up with a different couple different ways of doing things. 
So I, I'm actually making a video about like our setup here. Um, but yeah, just like learning, trying to learn new stuff, especially like with streaming and that sort of thing. Cause I think it's going to like, this kind of stuff is going to become more and more popular and you know, having a nice image is, I, I like it. It looks like a C300 <laughs> to me. I don't know. Is, is that what that is? No, it's a 60D. Can you believe oh, it? Oh no! <laughs> it looks good. It, looks it good. works it over good. like uh, USB. Yeah, USB. So it's. Oh, did you get that update? Did you get that upgrade? Yeah. Yeah. So Can yeah. Canon put out uh, this thing called the EOS Webcam Utility, and basically there's a list of cameras. But if you have like an older version, like the 60D, actually isn't listed on the list, um, and that's what the whole video I'm making is kind of about that it works even though it's not on the list. But uh, if you have like an ADD or a T6i or newer, it's like guaranteed to work. Um, all you do is just plug it in through USB and get that utility and it'll show up as a webcam. So it doesn't work on Skype, but it works on Zoom, Google Hangouts, OBS, like pretty much anything that isn't Skype. I, Skype <laughs> doesn't like it. But, but Hunter didn't have to solder anything. Is that what no, you mean? No, it was easy. It's plug, <laughs> so first. plug and play. <laughs> you know, another thing, um, like right now, I'm, I'm using my uh, cell phone just plugged in through USB on a tripod. Did did um, you yeah. use like Droid Cam or whatever? Or? I, I, I looked through them and I got IV Cam. Yeah, I've heard um, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like you can do up to 4K. You can do like H.264, HEVC. You can change shutter speed. You can do like got like anti-flicker. You can like manually change focus, ISO. Um, with sliders like on the app and stuff and, it makes and you popcorn can it. dude you can control it like on your computer too you can control your like phone from your computer is and it did you get I it working a, over usb or is it over wi-fi uh it can work over both um I'm, what do you I'm have through usb that's good yeah i was gonna do usb but i got i was yeah. just like whatever but yeah um, oh and, and then i have like my moment um lens on there like the moment uh two times Everybody stepped up. I will say, Eric, you have the best keyed out background of all of us. So you 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 win that award yeah. for tonight. You, I feel like that's you, where you, you do your auditions. That I was going to ask you about. That. Just, it, yeah, it looks like an audition, doesn't it? Doesn't it? Right. Yeah, lights shape nicely and everything. Good job. I know, dude. I, I have I have I I lit it. <laughs> it's lit. There you go. Hey, we have I was going to say show all our setups exactly. Everybody wanted to bring their 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 A game. Um, when do you think we're getting back to work? I know some of you are working, kind of, but when are we getting back to work? Does anybody know? I work, I work today. All right, how'd it go? I worked yesterday, too. Busy uh, week. They, it was, like, masks on the whole time. Not, so what, what was really weird is, like, um, on Wednesday, it was the first time I worked with this client, and, like, walking into the room and, like, not shaking everyone's hand, mm -hmm. like... I didn't realize how weird that was. You're just like standing there like so awkwardly and like, you got hello. A so like you work on your the one guy shook my hand and he, he was like, Oh, I'm so sorry. I wasn't supposed to do it. I'm like, I I'm fine with it. You know, I'm, I'm not like, as I walk out of here, I'll wash my hands and everything. And I'm not too concerned. Like as long as you don't have a fever and they, they did a temperature test with like the, like the laser gun on my forehead to go into the place today, which was interesting. And, yeah, it's just, I think that's where we're going to be. Like when we come back to work, it's going to be that for a while. And like, it'll be some getting used to, but it is what it is. You know, we can't, can't change it. So we just have to work with it. 
Do you think all those would be in consideration too? Go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, no, I was just going to say, I think you're going to see a lot of smaller crews um, and yeah. scaled back things. I saw a, uh, a memo um, for the Lion, for Lionsgate overall. And that's like the movie that was going to be coming uh, next for, I think most of us. And uh, their, their guidelines are saying, you know, one to three people per department. Um, oh. It's going to be, gaffer key grip and like i think that's it like i don't think they get company grips i think it's just gonna be no generators you know the the guidelines are so pulled back it's literally you're gonna be like they're gonna be a uh death metal sized crew with <laughs> with a truck full of gear <laughs> i that they're probably not gonna have a truck full of gear because they can just they're not gonna be able to do it so yeah positions like hunter and i's position probably all maybe all of ours might not be yeah I'm, thing. I was told um, from Scott, the boom guy, you know, I was going to be playback. They're trying to make Marlo do all the sound uh, uh, jobs alone. So, which is kind of, I think a lot for, for a sound person to do playback and, you know, boom and mix. And like, I just don't know how that's possible. So I don't know what they'll do ultimately, but um, that's, it'll be, it'll be curious to see what they do do. Do 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 do. You're going to see a lot of remote stuff too. Um, I think there's going to be a huge implementation. And like, if you're talking about doing playback and anything, whether it's camera sound or whatever, I think you're going to see wireless playing a huge part of it. And there's going to be a lot of, a lot of remote capabilities that are going to be leveraged to try to, you know, like help make it as few people as possible next to each other. I'm sure video village is going to, they, they, that's a good point. Like um, VTR, like one of the, jobs of it is being able to do that like a like a a web link to see um image and i we did that on fred hampton i was uh you know the vtr guy was on our trailer so i chatted with him a lot about how he was doing it and kind of the hurdles he was having with getting it set up and the biggest thing was just having a good solid connection you know they were on hot spots and trying just, to get the yeah. feed to a producer it's going to be that's going to be video village. It's, you know, it's not going to be one person who's just trying to drop in. It's going to be, okay, we need this to shoot. It's going to be, it's going to be video town. You're going to have all sorts of gear there to, to be able to, 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 it's almost like a football game where you're going to have a truck instead of a, a little area where people are going to just have to, you know, di disseminate the, um, the info. I can even see where there's, you know, if you have clients on set where they're going to have their own little area and that's where they stay in the room. Uh, talent will come in at separate doors. We do. Um, I, the rooms are going to have to be bigger. You can't have it in these cozy little rooms. A lot of outdoor interviews. I, I think there, I think a lot of people are going to implement that as well. Um, and Thomas, you, you're working with a church and you're doing like a multi-cam setup. And you've been doing that for a while. How's that been working out? We're, we're f working on all the bugs. But we finally got a good system we like. So right we renovated our church a year ago. We got into live streaming. We had a one camera system at the time. So luckily we had like a good grasp when this all hit. And as soon as it did, we threw in two cameras right away. And now we have a full multi-cam setup that we live stream. And if you take a look at other churches, I mean, part of my entertainment during all this is just seeing how we're blowing all of the other churches out of the water. And, and I mean, it's it's good to look at the work we've done but on top of doing live stream i'm doing all of their like promo videos now and 
any sort of like ministry type meeting they want. Like I've been shooting a crazy amount of stuff and dumping them all on Evan to uh, edit for me because I, I just can't <laughs> keep up with it right now. Like uh, Saturday, we have two live events that they're bringing out a video wall and Brian Glazen from Think Media is coming to help me out. And we're, they have a prayer service outside where they're doing like a drive-in style. And then later that night, we're having a Mother's Day concert that I'm like, it's a St. Ambrose type thing. So we have more control rather than other events where people have come in, but I'll be in charge of all the video stuff and I'll have a camera outside for a B stage or three cameras inside. And then I asked Ryan just yesterday, uh, today, actually, he's going to come and do steady cam for me just to make more movement for this concert. Cause we just have three lockdown cameras. It's super boring. So are they robo, are they robo cams, Thomas, all of them or, or just yeah, the one in the ceiling? No, so we got two more of those. Nice. I'm actually becoming a robot for it, so I will. Nice. Uh, I will sign to work. Well, you got your work cut off for you to match a robot, you know. So those they never. <laughs> what camera do you always cut to? Is the one that's the static, right? The static wide is always never out of focus and never moving when you don't need it to with the multicam. <laughs> um, we um, we we worked ahead. at the like Maltz Performing Arts uh, like center or whatever thomas and hunter and i we did their like robocam not recently but we did their robocam thing i could see that's something that could still be a thing because it's just one it's basically one or two people just sitting in the back running running we the had, camera like, five cameras didn't we yeah we had six cameras it was crazy so and they all are like preset like you just make a preset and you can click around and it's pretty easy so Stuff like that could still be possible. Obviously, yeah, Thomas I think is doing the, it. On a bigger scale, the first people you're going to see back to work are the live event people, like the live TV people. Because yeah. they were just talking about how all the sporting events and all the you know really major productions, they're not going to have audience uh, there or they're going to have like 30% capacity or something like that. And, um, you know, they're still like, that's, that's what they were mentioning it. Like for all the union updates for any camera people or whoever it is, they're just going to, you know, have everyone's going to just be pretty much an empty stadium. It's going to be weird to see on TV. I imagine uh, a bunch of empty stadiums and fields, but the players will be like, there. Workers will fan be shots. Like my yeah. job on it, like when I work for ESPN is to go like in the Muni lot or like wherever people are and like film the crowd. So like that job is like gone, which sucks. Yeah. So there's like so many like little things that are changing that like people don't even think about. Um, but I'm sh maybe they'll do something else. You never know, but it'll be, it'll be interesting to see what happens with all that. Yeah. I wonder how that work's going to go in terms of like the amount and quality quantity and things like that, because they come up being in the locker rooms. They used to do so much where they, you know, you uh, wait at the end of the game and you just yeah. sit out there and wait to break no in the locker, locker room, rooms. right up yeah. there face well, especially in michael jordan documentary he's surrounded by so many media so many like you know microphones cameras you yeah. name it like you i don't think they can do that anymore if they do it's gonna be press conference style and like kind of like what they're doing now with like you know the governments and stuff but um i mean they're already doing it now but they're gonna have like less people more spaced out so um yeah that's possible. hunter and i do that for espn so that's like also a thing that's probably going to be way different yeah yeah, scrums. It's like you're basically elbow to elbow. If you don't know how to fight your way in, you're not doing it right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if you haven't been in a fight uh, in a scrum, you yeah. have not. You have not scrummed not hard enough. <laughs> Scrum harder. I've seen a, a cell phone get smacked out of someone's hand before for being in front of a camera. That was pretty funny. That's funny. <laughs> oh, 
the Canadians, the Canadians are the nicest though. I will say the Toronto Raptors during Sorry. the finals, the best and nicest people. They were all like, everyone gets a spot. We're all going to be separated. Let's make sure <laughs> we're all ready. And you know, when the time comes, then we'll begin. <laughs> we were even at training camp last year and it was like, it was literally just the local reporters and like a couple of people, but it was still like a million people on us. It's like boring. It's like literally like a, pl- nobody cares about this thing. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> my boss comes up and whispers to me. He's like, just, he's like, just go. He's like, this doesn't matter. He's like, they don't want this. He's like, who is this player? Do you even know? I was like, no. He's like, exactly. He's like, <laughs> Run away. <laughs> he's like, he's like, get out of here. <laughs> so I don't know. That's all going to be different. It's going to be interesting. I think it'll be, uh, it, it's kind of the next thing. And if you could reinvent yourself and find other work, I think that's going to be good. Um, Eric, do you have a pipeline into work? I mean, how do you, are you, do you talk to some of the guys from the electric department or, uh, or and, uh, um, about future work or what they've been doing? Have you been, you know, do you keep up with them or do they ever reach out to you? Um, we were all kind of, kind of newbies. So, um, all kind of in the same boat to be honest the we had one guy from um la and you know he he lives out there and works as an electrician and then um but you know i i did work on a couple like small commercial style shoots like right in the middle of like the like the lockdown like like mid to late april like pretty recently actually and then got like another another commercial style job coming up like a couple day shoot um next week so, you know, when, when I was, when I did work on those couple shoots, you know, it was masks, it was gloves, it was, you know, tried to social distance, I guess, as best as you can, but like, it wasn't really all that, all that different. Um, it'll be interesting to see on like union sets where they actually have, have to stick by really strict guidelines or, or risk, um, you know, violating OSHA and getting shut down and things like that um it'll be interesting to see how they go about um, providing ppe to everybody and enforcing social distancing especially when they're shooting actors that that need to interact with each other and obviously can't be wearing you know masks or or gloves or things (laughs) like that it's gonna be um interesting but heck as far as like getting work it's just like I I just wait for calls to come in and and uh probably should have been making like more strides to make a website um but didn't really do that. <laughs> so but it's still a time to um hopefully continue to connect and and um um and hopefully uh get work down the line and I think it just has to you know, keeping a positive attitude and, and, and also trying to stay busy and, and, and whatnot. Hey, so everybody, thanks for being here tonight. And hopefully we do this again. I really enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Thanks, James. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for Thank having you. us. Yep, this is awesome. So thanks for having us. And that's it for our roundtable, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for listening. Uh, I want to thank Thomas, Eric, Evan, Hunter, and Ryan for coming on. And, uh, giving their insight, uh, sharing their experiences. We really appreciate it. Um, shout out again, Tim Misney. <laughs> shout out to Cleveland Camera Rental. I know uh, McKenna got mentioned from there, so shout out to her. And I want to give a uh, shout out to uh, Crispy Harris, who was our guest on episode 12. He actually responded to, um, we posted on Instagram, 
about what questions we should ask these guys and it got it got asked here uh we forgot to mention his name but thank you chris for uh submitting a question thank you everyone for listening uh please subscribe please leave a comment rating uh, we'd love to hear from you of course and if you're interested listen to our other episodes we have uh 14 episodes of this and we're releasing one uh next week so please tune in stay safe and talk to you next time